Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to a new quick hitter from Full Core Press with Fanta and Adams. Our guest this week is NCAA.com correspondent and longtime college basketball insider Andy Katz. We discuss what college sports could look like in the 2020-21 year. With the COVID virus very much still present, how coaches could have to adjust the way they do things and how this virus could impact the college basketball schedule. What are some of the other big challenges that you see for coaches, whether football, basketball, um, as we start to see somewhat of a return to play? Well, first of all, it's going to be interesting, especially in football, um, because you have the numbers, the math numbers, but also, uh, and I don't want to you know, say anything because it's not just on age, it's also on your physical you know, ability, you know, if you are, if you're way overweight, you know, I mean, uh, that could be a big issue. If you have underlying health conditions, I think there are going to be a lot of coaches that are going to have to just self-check and say, okay, is this safe for me to be in this environment? Am I going to be more virtual? Am I going to be, you know, uh, further away? Uh, if I'm over 70, I mean, there's a lot of coaches that fit that, uh, that are going to have to sort of police things themselves and say, you know, what's best for me to be involved in this. Also, um, you know, touching. I mean, it's just, you know, your player comes to the sidelines or in practice, you want to show them what to do. Uh, I think at least in this early stage, it's going to be much more of showing them from four to six feet away. And will the coaches, at least in practice, at the initial stages, and I'm talking about for football, soccer, volleyball, field hockey, you know, the sports that are in the, uh, in the fall, are they going to be wearing masks? Um, I'm my gut, and this is where I was on fine bomb. A lot of fans didn't like hearing this because I think we can get to this in a minute on the fan aspect. But I think also you're going to see, even though you know the majority of sports are just routed off except for volleyball or outdoors, I still think you're going to see coaches wearing masks, or at least the majority of them, because especially if they want to get closer. Uh, and, and, and sort of, um, you know, in, in their teaching and their coaching and want to instruct, uh, you know, where it just you can't help it. You're, you're talking and, and, and spit comes out. I, I just think you're going to see more masks, uh, at least in that sense, in the early stages in August and into September for coaches. And that's going to be a big adjustment, um, you know, on how they deal with their players. But I think it's going to be something that they're going to have to do if they want to make this work. Andy Katz, NCAA.com correspondent, is our guest. Andy, what are you hearing in the world of college basketball in terms of the impact COVID has had on the sport uh, in terms of just the latest or any updates that you might have bringing it back to college hoops? Well, a couple things, you know, Johnny Kim. First of all, and this is another one that has not been discussed as widely, but I want to, I'm glad you guys are, doing this because I want to keep getting this out there is that all these schools that are now 
announcing new academic calendars that are ending in at Thanksgiving. Um, that is for the general student body in person. Uh, when you're talking about, you know, however many 20, 30,000 students it'll be on campus. Basketball players, men's and women's, traditionally spend a lot, and Kim knows this, they spend a lot of time as the only people on campus in the oh, yeah. holiday season because everyone else has gone home. Uh, and that's usually over Thanksgiving and over Christmas. So that is still going to, everything I've been told, that's still going to happen. Now, that's not being widely discussed because it's so far away from what we're talking about right now. And, but those, that population is still going to be on campus because, once again, it's a smaller group. You're talking about 15 uh, women's players, 13 men's players. It's a much smaller population that you can control at that time of the year. Uh, what I am waiting to see, though, is my gut, and I don't, this is just once again my informed opinion. Because those athletes are not going to go home up until, let's say, whatever that's going to be, December, you know, 17th, whatever date that is when they have, you know, games, my gut is we are going to see. Right now, it's like, I think, a mandatory three-day break for Christmas. I think we could see a seven-to-ten-day seven break of nobody on campus, no games, no practice. Uh, and the reason I say that is, so during that December time, well, they want to uh, obviously avoid people going back and forth uh, for their homes in such a, a, a short period. They're also going to use December as a massive sanitation and cleansing to get ready for second semester. And so the last part of that population, even though they're going to be constantly cleaning during everything, uh, you know, that's going to be, I think, another time. And, and you know, so I, I'm waiting to see as schedules come out, do they create a longer break? Uh, because once again, just like they don't want the student athletes, excuse me, the students going home for like literally three days of Thanksgiving and coming right back, I don't sense they want the basketball players who are going to be there for a couple of weeks into December, then just going home for Christmas for literally two or three days and coming right back. Give them a week where I think on the back end of that week, you're going to have to test them again because now they're coming back into that bubble. So you're going to have to test them. Uh, you know, look, I hope we're in a different place, obviously, by then. I hope we're closer to a vaccine, better treatment, no masks or what have you. And we all hope that, but we don't know. And so at that period, I think you're going to see at least a reentry phase of testing that will probably happen for the general student body when they come back in early January as well. So that's the other thing to sort of look out, uh, you know, when we have these, the, the scheduling that's going to take place at that time. The other thing to keep in mind also is, so the November games, uh, you know, everything I've been told, they're going on as scheduled, except the question will be, what happens to games that are outside the mainland? So does the Maui Invitational, which as of now is being planned as playing, uh, you know, in Maui, but with cost and all those kinds of things and very, a lot of fans, obviously, and boosters like to go on these trips, you know, we don't know what travel is going to be like. And so there's, there's definitely some contingency plans being discussed. Uh, the Battle for Atlantis, big time tournament, obviously, you know, in the Bahamas. Are there going to be uh, quarantine rules either going to the Bahamas or when you return from the Bahamas. And so that could be an issue for that tournament. Do they look at a mainland option, which I'm hearing, you know, they don't want to, but they're certainly at least being discussed. 
And then there are the tournaments that, you know, both of you I know I've seen you at, you know, in uh, Madison Square Garden and Barclays, the neutral court tournaments uh, that go on in November and December are the neutral court events. The question there will be, do you still hold those events in New York if there are no fans? Uh, you know, part of the whole reason of renting out the garden in Barclays is to have fans. And if there are no fans allowed, is that cost effective for those organizers to rent out Madison Square Garden and Barclays for literally two teams that are playing with no fans? Uh, and we don't know if there'll be no fans, but that's certainly a possibility. So they're having a look, I know, as a plan B just in case we're at that point. We hope you listen to the full conversation with Andy Katz and check out Full Core Press with Fanta and Adams every Tuesday from Pure Hoops Media.